Uh, our time of worship will continue this morning with scripture reading. And this morning, Dr. Kim will be preaching from John chapter 12, verse 20 through 36. Again, that's John chapter 12, verse 20 through 36. And I'll give you a little bit of time to grab your Bible or pull up it on your phone or on your screen. John chapter 12, 20 to 36. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life, loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my, certain, my servant there my, will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled? And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. May God bless the reading of his word. This, warm, this morning, I am delighted to introduce our speaker to you. And though you can't, he can't see us, uh, in all in all of our gathered glory and we can't quite see him we are delighted to have dr matthew kim who works in the preaching department with dr arthurs at gordon conwell join us today dr kim has pastored um, um, 
a church prior to coming to Gordon-Conwell, and he's well acquainted with Asian Americans, as you will see shortly. Dr. Kim is married to his wife, Sarah, and they together have three kids. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Kim. Dr. Kim, are you there? Crossbridge, it's a delight to be with you this morning, worshiping with you in uh, our respective homes. It's great to be together uh, as we share in God's word now. Uh, will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that you speak in many different ways. You speak through, uh, through the singing of your word, through people focusing on scripture through the lifting of our hands. You speak through your word. You speak and we listen. Father, we ask that you would be glorified in our worship today. Even though we are separated, we ask that you would come into our minds, our hearts, our thoughts, that you would transform us. And now may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. May you alone receive all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In 2007, I was watching a movie uh, called The Bucket List. Some of you have possibly seen this movie. It's a film uh, with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, and they are in a hospital ward, uh, actually uh, with the same diagnosis of cancer. And during this time, they become friends. And over the course of their friendship, Morgan Freeman's character decides to write up a list of the things that he wants to do before he passes on from this life. In fact, he writes 18 different things on this list. And let me just read for you the top four things that he wanted to accomplish before his time on earth came to an end. The first was witness something truly majestic. The second, help a complete stranger. Third, laugh till I cry. And fourth, drive a Shelby Mustang. I wonder if you think about your life. We, during the season of coronavirus, are presented with the stark reality that we are all mortal beings. Perhaps more than ever, we are faced with the reality that this life is temporal and our time is up to the Lord. We have no idea how long we have left on this earth. And it's a, a morbid thought, but it's a thought that we must all wrestle with and perhaps have wrestled with. I wonder if you were to write down your list, your bucket list, the things that you wanna accomplish before you move on from this life, what would be your top four things that you would write down? I want to give you a moment right now. Would you do that? Would you take out a pen and 
a paper, a piece of paper and write down what would be the top four things you want to accomplish before you move on from this life. What would you do, in fact, if you only had one week to live? What would you do this week? Write down a few things, would you? The passage that was just read by Emily comes from John chapter 12. And as you know, today marks Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus triumph, triumphantly went into Jerusalem for his last week of earthly ministry. We know that in the first part of John chapter 12, Jesus enters into Jerusalem and he's celebrated with palm branches as the people shout, Hosanna! Hosanna, save us, save us now, Lord, save us. And as we come to this text here uh, in John chapter 12, uh, we see that Jesus predicts his death. John's the only gospel writer who actually writes about this, this intimate moment where Jesus talks to his disciples and also talks to the crowd. If you look at the first part of this text we see in verse 20 and it reads now there were some greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast they came to philip who was from bethsaida in galilee a fishing community with a request sir they said we would like to see jesus philip went to tell andrew andrew and philip in turn told jesus jesus says in verse 23 the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The entrance of the Greeks into the Jewish feasts and the ability to worship together was a clear distinction from what had happened in the past. Uh, we know from Scripture that Jesus' primary mission, at least in the beginning of his ministry, was to minister to the Jewish people. Throughout the Gospels, we hear Jesus say, uh, my time has not yet come. Uh, I must tell uh, the sons of Israel about my, my uh, coming and, and my mission. Uh, they are to repent and receive the kingdom of God. It's for the Jews that I've come. And throughout Jesus's ministry, he has been talking about how he needs to fulfill the mission to the Jewish people. But notice here in verse 20, we see that his audience or or mission focus has uh, altered a bit. In fact, it has moved drastically into the realm of Gentiles and Greeks. And during this time period, the Greeks would not have come to the Jewish festivals and feasts to worship. And so there's a, a stark departure from what had been happening in Jesus's ministry. Now we see a, a gravitational pull of the, the Jewish people uh, welcoming and entering into worship with Greeks. And this hadn't been done uh, in the previous years of ministry for, for Jesus. And that's why we notice that Jesus says these, the hour has come for the Son of Man. This marks a, a, a radical shift in God's mission. And we can make the a comparable 
uh, comparison of having uh, blacks and whites worship together in the 1960s during the time of segregation. This was unheard of, not thought of. Uh, this wasn't something that would naturally happen. But in God's uh, plan, in God's knowledge, he wanted uh, not just Jews to be part of the kingdom of God. He welcomed Gentiles and praised God for that, as you and I have now the opportunity to enter into the kingdom of God. Would you take a moment to just thank him? Thank God today that uh, you and I have access to heaven through Christ and what he's done for us. As we see this, you see the, uh, the question that the disciples may have been asking Jesus, when, are, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen, Lord? This moment where uh, the, the time has come for, you, for uh, the kingdom of God to be here. And uh, you can liken it to uh, being in a car uh, with children. Uh, thinking through when, when kids want to get to a final destination, they ask that question over and over again. Are we there yet? Are we there yet, Dad? Are we there yet, Mom? I wonder if the disciples throughout Jesus' ministry asked that same question. Jesus, has the time come yet? Well, Jesus can finally say, yes, the hour has come. Greeks are invited now into worship of our God. But not only that, as we continue on in the story, uh, we see that Jesus is opening up our lives, these Greek people's uh, paradigm uh, to expand it into what it means for them to be a disciple of Jesus. And so he tells us in verse 23, yes, the hour has finally come for the son of man to be glorified. And he goes on in verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Notice verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. If we give up our life here on this earth. Jesus tells us that we have an eternity in heaven. He's trying to teach the uh, Greek people that this is what discipleship is all about. It's about dying to ourselves. It's about dying to what we desire and living for the heavenly kingdom. Uh, Jesus is trying to teach these Greeks what it means to be a disciple. And in fact, he's also reminding his own disciples of what it means to follow him completely. Notice he gives a, an example from agriculture, from farming. He tells us that if a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it's useless unless it actually dies. Now, I'm not an agriculturalist. I'm not a farmer, I'm not a botanist. I don't understand the inner workings of seeds. But if you think of it similarly to those commercials growing up where you see uh, that uh, neighbor who is really obsessed with his or her lawn and uh, the, the dandelion is out there. He sees that one weed. And, and yet what happens when that dandelion dies, the seeds actually disperse and it goes and spreads throughout his entire lawn. And uh, in, in some ways, this is what that looks like. When, when a seed dies, when a plant dies, 
it actually gives life to new forms. And I wonder in many of our lives today, uh, are we stuck spiritually? How are we doing with the Lord? Are we uh, having a difficult time? Maybe the coronavirus has set off depression. Uh, Maybe it set off uh, a lot of frustration or worry or anxiety. Maybe we think, how can I possibly die to myself any more than I'm already dying to myself? I wonder if some of us are really struggling right now. And the truth is, many of us are. We all are. This is a very difficult time. There's no denying that. And yet God is calling us to be reminded that the the true disciple is the one who dies to himself, who dies to herself, so that we may truly live. There are many reasons that we can think of that today may not be the day that I can really die to myself. Uh, we're, We're struggling. We think, I'm already caring for my kids. I'm already caring for my parents. Uh, I'm, I'm expended enough. There's not much more that I can do. Pastor Kent Hughes has this quote uh, that I, I read uh, quite a while ago. And if you are struggling with stagnancy in the spiritual life, I wonder if this quote will wake us up a little bit. And he writes, if your life is stagnant, if your spiritual life is going unrealized, it may well be that you need to die to lay down your life and be released. Dear friends, what are we living for today? What is driving us? Maybe some of us have lost sight of the goal, the mission of Christ, that we are to to be disciples and to make disciples. Maybe some of us have been living for our own glory for quite some time, and maybe we've forgotten about what God has called us to in his mission. And so in this section, we're reminded that for those of us who are willing to die to ourselves, we will gain eternity and heaven. I still remember when the market crashed in 2008 and there was much chaos going on. Time Magazine actually had an article, uh, the, the cover read, Reset, the end of excess, why this crisis is good for America. In the UK, Gordon Brown, the prime minister said, sometimes it's a crisis that forces change. Nobody likes to suffer. We are a suffering averse culture. We don't like to experience pain. For that reason, we like to numb our pain with different things. I wonder if some of us are really struggling today and we've lost sight of the goal. We've live for ourselves, and we've been trying to build our own security, build our own platforms, build our own name. I didn't want to do it, but a week ago, I decided to look at my retirement fund. It wasn't much to begin with, but it had taken a significant hit, I think at least 30%. And some of us have lost much more than that. We're losing our jobs. We're losing our homes. We're losing comfort. We're losing material possessions. But the life in Christ that he invites us to is one that trusts in him. We don't have to uh, be so devastated when, when things of earth, the material possessions, 
are lost. We, we cling to Christ in these moments. We, we remember the mission that we are disciples, that when we lay down our lives and follow Christ, that is the ultimate way of living. So he says in verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. How can you serve God this week? How can you die to yourself so that you may truly live? What are some areas where you you and I might be able to serve our Heavenly Father? Maybe it's by texting or calling uh, your pastor, thanking them, praying for them, reminding them that you are in this together as a community of God. Maybe God is asking you to uh, buy some groceries for a neighbor or pick up a meal for them and lay it at their doorstep. Maybe there's a person that you've been praying for for years and that opportunity to share the gospel with them has never realized or materialized. Maybe it's this week that you and I can call that person, text them, ask them if we can speak to them about Jesus. How is God calling you to respond in this season? How is God calling us to be the church? To know that our lives are short. That some of us may have one week to live. What would you do with that one week? How would you live? How would you respond? During this Passion Week, I invite you to a life that digs deeper into discipleship. Where are we stagnant? Where do we need to serve? Where do we need to die to ourselves so that we may truly have an eternal home? As God continues in this story, we see in verse 27, Jesus says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very hour I came. Father, glorify your name. The push toward discipleship goes even further. Jesus is telling us that his whole existence is about glorifying God. What a beautiful image that Jesus' surrender, his his ability to uh, follow and obey obey, uh, God in every part of his life is, is realized, especially during this final week when everything comes to a focus in that final week where he is led to the cross on that Good Friday. And as Christians, we know that there's glory next Sunday on Easter, this Resurrection Sunday where Jesus, who was once dead, comes to life. So we see here that Jesus is deeply troubled. Uh, He's not troubled because he doesn't love us. We don't want to mistake what Jesus is troubled about. No, Jesus is troubled because he is concerned that he will have to be separated from his father. The sins that you and I have committed that were placed on his shoulders, those sins need to be needed to be atoned for. And in that moment, when Jesus dies on the cross, he had to be separated from his father in order to pay for those sins that you and I have committed, committed today and will commit in the future. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And for that reason, he needed to be separated from his heavenly father. And for that reason, Jesus is troubled. But notice here, 
His ultimate focus is the mission of God. And he says, Father, glorify your name. Jesus' entire life was about glorifying the name of his heavenly Father. We even see this in Philippians chapter 2, where it tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus never lost sight of the mission. Every part of his life was about glorifying God. I wonder, friends, if that has been our focus. Do we want to glorify God in every part of our lives? But notice here that God is glorified. As we continue in verse 28, it says, Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. God is already glorified in Christ. Christ, as he has laid down his life and will lay down his life, he's already glorified. Uh, And he will again be glorified on Good Friday when Jesus ultimately pays the sacrifice for our sins, when he lays down his life for us. And he will be glorified again on Easter Sunday. And so God is saying, I am glorified in you. I have been glorified, and I will continue to be glorified. As we think about our lives and our mission, my prayer is that you and I will be focused on the glory of God. Where are we losing sight of that? Maybe uh, this virus has really taken a toll on us physically. Maybe some of us even have the virus or have family members who have the virus, and everything has been depleted. Our energy, our our focus, our ability to concentrate on the things of God have been taken away from us, and we've been losing focus. God is reminding us today that the mission of God is his own glory. He tells us that he will share his glory with no one. Are there areas of our lives where we've been seeking our own glory? We confess them even now to the Lord. I'll give you a little time. May we we all do that just for a moment. God speaks and he is already proud of his son. Some of us may be struggling with the notion of God being pleased with us or proud of us. You know, growing up as an Asian American, I know that it's it's not easy. It's, it's hard to be a, a child of an immigrant. You know, growing up, I remember those uh, statements like, you know, you, you'll, son, daughter, you'll make me proud if you can fulfill the, the mission of an Asian uh, immigrant parent. You, you have to become, uh, number one, a doctor, or a lawyer, uh, maybe an engineer. And if you can't hack any of those things, maybe you can be a business person. And our worth, our sense of being uh, affirmed or having our parents loved us was felt conditional. Like we had to do certain things to perform in order for our, our parents to be pleased. And when we didn't fulfill those uh, criteria, or we, when the, the job didn't happen 
as we expected. Or maybe God had given us different kinds of gifts. We felt like we had let our parents down. God reminds you today that he is proud of you. He loves you. But he also wants to be pleased. He wants our obedience to lead to his pleasure, his glory. In 1 Thessalonians 4, he tells us to live a life of obedience. And as we do so, he is pleased and we, are, we want to please God more and more. May that be our goal uh, as we live the rest of our days here on this earth, that we don't lose sight of the mission of God. Notice here what happens. Uh, the crowd becomes a little restless. They don't know what has just happened as uh, Jesus uh, is affirmed by God. And then it says in, in the second part, then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will, it will uh, and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it, uh, that it had thundered. Others uh, said an angel had spoken to him. Uh, they were confused because they had been living in darkness. They don't know what it means to follow after God. Uh, and, and it continues. Jesus says in verse 30, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. The, the crowd needed to hear another sign that Jesus, uh, that pointed that Jesus was the Messiah and is the Messiah. The Gospel of John is filled with stories of signs and images and miracles of who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. And yet, once again, we see John placing emphasis on this, that the crowds did not understand that there's another sign. God himself speaks words of proclamation. You have glorified me, and you will glorify me again. And as these people live in darkness, we see in verse 31, now is the time of judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, verse 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. There are many, many people living in darkness today, just like there were in Jesus's time. There is judgment. There is judgment there is final judgment when there will be no more time here on this earth. Jesus will come and everybody will see him. At that point, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Dear friends, are there any of you who are living in darkness? Do you not know Jesus? Do you not know that Jesus is the light? Do you not know that he has come to be the savior of the world, to save you and forgive you of your sins? Are there people in your lives that don't know this truth yet, that you need to be able to share this uh, good news with? I wonder if there are any people like that in our lives. And if so, we have to come to the stark realization that they don't know this Jesus. And it says in verse 33, he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die, that Jesus would be on Good Friday, nailed on a cross. And it says in verse 34, the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? There are many people living in darkness. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know what, what this phrase, Son of Man, is. They don't know that Jesus is the Messiah. 
And in verse 35, then Jesus told him, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. The time is short. We don't know when Jesus will return. He can return today, this very moment. He can return decades, centuries later. We have no idea when Jesus will return, but many people today are living in darkness. And Jesus wants to expose the darkness. He wants us to live in the light. And my encouragement for all of us today is to make every opportunity uh, to, to, to exalt Christ to live for him, to glorify God, to to make that the the chief focus of our lives. God is glorified when we obey him, when we serve him, when we care for the least of these who are with us. But notice here, he says in verse 36, put your trust in the light while you have it. Now is the day. Today is the day of salvation, dear friends. And if there are any of you who have yet to put your faith in Jesus, I invite you today, don't wait. You have the light today. You have the gospel today ready and available for you. Jesus has come to save you, and he's come to save me. Would you put your faith in him today? The gospel is simple and yet profound. Jesus lived a perfect sacrificial life that you and I could not live. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in a tomb. And on Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead. He he has ascended to heaven, and he will return one day to judge the world, not based on what we have done, but based on what he has accomplished for us and whether or not we have put our faith in him and what he has accomplished for us. That we might tell God that we are sinners in need of his grace and forgiveness, that we need him, And we need the gospel to be saved and to put your faith in his son. Is there anyone out there today that has not yet put their faith in Jesus? Today is the day of the light. The light is shining on you. Would you put your faith in Christ today? May you not live in darkness any longer. Choose Christ and glorify him while you have the opportunity. Choose Christ and glorify God while you have the opportunity. Dear friends, uh, mortality is something that we all have to face. I wonder if you were to look at your bucket list and and were to write four things down now as a result of looking at God's word, I wonder what you would write down. Would anything change? I was faced with mortality about four and a half years ago. family experienced a tremendous heartbreaking tragedy where my younger brother, Tim, was brutally murdered in the Philippines. We pursued justice and the case was closed uh, very quickly due to the corruption there. We, my youngest brother and I tried to piece together the story uh, of what had happened because obviously the police report was uh, a lie. It had been fabricated. That moment really uh, shook us up and it, it made us think that this life is temporal. My younger brother, Tim, was celebrating his 36th birthday 
on the night that he was killed. Life is short. We don't know how long we have. I believe Tim's in heaven, uh, or he, I believe that he has he accepted Jesus uh, and is with God right now. But at the same time, we are faced with a reality that today is the day of salvation. Do you know him? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Do you live in a way that chooses Christ and glorifies God with every opportunity that you have? Jesus' mission, his final week, he didn't lose focus. He stayed the course. His life was ultimately about glorifying God. As you live this Holy Week, this Passion Week, what are the areas where we can grow as disciples? I ask you to choose Christ and glorify God with every opportunity that you have. Whatever God is calling you to do today, my prayer for you and I is that we will surrender our lives to Christ, that we will give him our all. Give God your best in these remaining days that we have. We don't know how much longer we have here on this earth. Give God your all. Give him glory. May every part of our lives bring him greater glory. May we die to ourselves and may we live for him. Choose Christ and glorify God with every opportunity that you have. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that we have the perfect example in Jesus Christ who knew his mission, who loved you so much that he wanted to obey you in every part of his life. We thank you that Jesus ultimately on Good Friday obeyed you even to the cross to give up his own life for us. Father, we ask that during this Holy Week, during this week of your passion, your passion for us and your passion ultimately to glorify your Heavenly Father. Will you help us in this season of waiting, the season of this virus that has caused us to shelter in place where we feel helpless and hopeless? In this season of waiting, help us not to forget the mission of God, which is to glorify our Heavenly Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. May our focus in this life change as a result of reading this passage in John 12 and hearing your voice speak to us. May our lives and focus change and help us to see how we can live for the kingdom of God, even in this time of waiting, that we would make every opportunity and take advantage of those opportunities to serve you. Be glorified in our lives and in this coming week. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday and we uh, can't wait to celebrate uh, the good news that Jesus Christ is risen. We thank you and we ask that you would be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.